Thank you, church. It's just an honor to be here today with you guys. And uh, just thank you from the bottom of my heart for your kindness and your uh, just generosity towards not only me, but our family. Uh, Dad had a special place in his heart for this church, for you guys, for this family of God, and for your pastor, Pastor John. God put him in my life. I don't know how long ago it's been. I know it's been over 10 years ago, right at that, I'd say. Uh, I was new to the pastorate, and he is one of the few people that reached out to me and just said, no matter what you need, when you need it, I'll be there. And I've never forgotten that. And I know this is kind of an odd thing because this month they call it pastor appreciation. But I want to tell you, you have a jewel in Pastor John and Sarah. And if we can, can we just give them a round of applause? I want to honor them this morning. As I stepped into this church, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me that it's going to get darker around us, but God has raised this place up as a beacon, and as it gets darker, it's going to get brighter in here. Your best days are just ahead of you, and it's going to come in the midst of a very difficult season, but the light's going to shine brighter. So hold on to that. I really believe that over this church and over this house. We are joined with you guys. I'm not a pastor that Uh, cares about church growth. I care about kingdom growth. And uh, my predecessor at Christian Fellowship used to say, one day your label will either fly off or it will burn off. So it's totally irrelevant. So here we stand today as brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm honored to have my family with me this morning. And I have accomplished something today that is impossible because at this moment I am preaching at Christian Fellowship Church. I have found how to be in two places at the same exact time. (laughs) Days of miracles have not ceased and uh, it's just such an awesome, awesome thing. I'm so excited about it. And actually I'm wearing the same sweater. It's just, it's incredible. It's really miraculous. But it is an honor to be here today, and thank you for that gift of kindness and generosity. Uh, I don't know how I'm supposed to preach after stuff like that, but I'm going to attempt it. You can be opening your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. I woke up this morning and was going to go one direction, and I felt like the Lord led me here. It's kind of in the vein with where we have been at our local church, something God's been placing on my heart. I might be the one standing holding a microphone this morning, but make no mistake, you also are on a stage and you're on a platform, and you're preaching a sermon that you may or may not be aware of. We're all on a stage. And I want to tell you, the world's watching us right now. The world is watching, waiting, and looking for something different and something with life and redemption, resurrection power right now, even if they don't know what they're looking for. They're looking for it, and they need it desperately. Let's be honest. 2020? Has there ever been another year you just say the year and people laugh? (laughs) 2020. Well, there you go. Uh, I saw a Facebook meme yesterday. That's one good thing that's come out of this year is the incredible uh, brilliance of Facebook memes. This one said, had the number 13 saying, I'm the worst number. And 666 says, ha, you got nothing on me. And then 2020 just laughs at both of them. I thought that was funny. It's been a challenge. But, you know, we shouldn't be surprised by that. Actually, we were told in the word in this life, you will have struggle, you will have tribulation, you will have trial, you will have fire. And it's oftentimes as Christians that we get blindsided by those things when they come at us and we're surprised when all along we were told that's part of the life that you're going to live. In so many ways, this year has been the worst year of my life. It's been a challenge, and I'm telling you, you probably know very little, but it's a challenge pastoring in a year like this. Am I telling the truth, Pastor? It's difficult because we live in a culture just riddled with disunity. Everybody's mad at something. Most people can't even tell you why they're mad. They just know that they're mad. 
And they're going to tell you that, that they're mad. It's difficult. And if you make a stance right here, then this side's going to beat you black and blue. If you make a stance right here, then this side's going to beat you black and blue. And what God has called us to do in the midst of this is to seek the unity of the spirit, which makes peace. We need to seek for those things that make for unity. God says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. That's free of charge. Not what I'm talking on, but go and do that. It's been the worst year in so many ways, but at the same time, it's been a year that I have seen God's faithfulness in a way that I cannot even describe in words. That John mentioned uh, about my dad, if, if you don't know him, he, uh, he passed away on May 19th. It was the most difficult day of my life. But at the same time, it was overwhelmed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And throughout these past five and a half months, I have felt the Holy Spirit just carry us through a season that we never wanted to live. And then you have COVID, and then you have this and this and this. Regardless of how it turns out, how many people will be thankful when the political season has ended this year? <laughs> Man, I felt something. <laughs> Paul had some rough seasons as well. He never lived in 2020, but it sure sounded like it. And uh, hold your place in Acts. You don't have to turn here with me. I just want to read something to you, and this will just build your spirit this morning. Such an encouragement to hear what this brother walked through. And all of a sudden I think, oh, maybe I didn't have it that bad after all. Second Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 23, he says this, Are they servants of God? Servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman. Far greater labors, far more imprisonments. Paul was a man that knew how to walk through the fire. Actually, so much of the New Testament came from the pen of a man that was incarcerated. That's powerful to me. <laughs> I think about the times I've been in a jail cell, figuratively, and just was angry about it. And I was frustrated about it. Paul found the Lord in the midst of it and began to write our New Testament out of a jail cell. Far more imprisonments, with countless beatings often near death. You know, we live in a culture, and thank God for the freedoms we have in this country. We've been blessed. I, I still believe it's the greatest country on the face of the planet. But I think oftentimes we are fighting for the comfort and ease of being a Christian. And I'm telling you, you were never promised that. We've had a redemptive lift in this nation the past couple hundred years. Actually, Jesus, out of his own mouth, said, you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. They're going to hate your guts. They hated me. They hated the prophets before you. So they will hate you also. Doesn't that sound fun? I can relate at times. Brother Parrish was telling me yesterday as we was making a difficult decision, he's, he's my predecessor at the church, about canceling our church for a couple of weeks and all this. And he said, I have found in life that when both sides of an argument are mad at me, I have made the right decision. And I'm like, yeah, that's usually how life goes. <laughs> he said, when nobody likes you, keep your head up. You're doing the right thing. Keep on trucking. <laughs> He says this, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. You know, we've gone into great detail at times talking about the just torturous beating that Jesus endured before he went to the cross with the cat of nine tails. Pieces of rock and shard were put in a whip and it just raked the flesh off of your back and raked the tendons and the muscles. Each time that it came, it just ripped the skin straight off. Paul says, yeah, I, I went through that five times. Five times I endured that. Five times I was beaten with a cat of nine tails. Three times I was beaten with rods. One of my missionary journeys I went on, we were flying through Singapore, 
And when you walk through customs at Singapore back then, it's probably been 15 years ago. Do you remember the guy? His name was, I think, Michael Fay. Years ago, he did some graffiti, and they beat him with a rod, and it made national news. Does anybody remember that story? There is a sign on the wall in Singapore when you come through customs that says, don't overstay your visa. If you overstay your visa, you will be beaten with a rod that will leave indelible marks the rest of your life. And I made a decision. I wasn't going to stay in that place very long. Uh, I knew that my time here was brief. Paul says, I've been beaten with rods three different occasions. And once I was stoned. I'm not talking about smoking a J. I'm saying he was stoned. Rocks in the hand execution that was one of their modes of execution he said i walked through execution and i lived they stoned me with rocks and i lived three times i was shipwrecked paul you need to learn brother don't get on a boat Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys and dangers from rivers and danger from robbers and danger from my own people. Danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship. I think Paul started the whole thing, danger is my middle name. (laughs) In toil and hardship through many a sleepless nights. In hunger and in thirst. Hunger, a man my size, out of all those things we listed, that's far worse than any of them. (laughs) One thing I found out at my church, and it's becoming true here too, I'm not as funny as I think I am. (laughs) My wife gives me courtesy laughs, and I want to tell you, I appreciate them. (laughs) If it's fake, laugh. No food, no drink, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure of me because of anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Let me tell you something that your pastor feels. Because I know I've been there. There's no way to explain the burden that you carry for the people that you pastor and shepherd. I'm telling you, you'll never know. I'm going to speak for him for a moment. When you walk through something, let me tell you something. That man carries it like he's walking through it himself. When you weep, they weep. When you grieve, they grieve. When you're in pain, they're in pain. I want you to imagine the load of hundreds of situations and struggles. There's no way to do it other than the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why... I believe in honor. When someone walks through ministry, they are worthy of honor. And Paul has listed all of these struggles and in so many ways. I keep thinking of the old Calgon commercial. This is before some of your time, but there, there was this, was it a bath soap or something you poured in the bathtub? And they would say this, Calgon, take me away. <laughs> Man, I guaranteed you, Paul was ready for some Calgon. (laughs) He was ready to get out of this. Take it away. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, there was a thorn given me in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I said, Jesus, enough, take it away. How many people this year in the midst of your own struggle, see, we all have a narrative. We all have a story that you've been walking through. That's been your prayer. Enough. Get this out of here. Take this away from me. And you know what? There's times that that's the appropriate prayer to pray. I've prayed for things to be taken away. Heck, I've bought cases of Calgon, seeing if it works. It really doesn't. It doesn't go anywhere. That's a preacher lie. I never bought Calgon in my life. (laughs) 
You know what a preacher lie is. It's stories that you tell, you know, at times. That one, just forget it. That's, I was going to lie to you and tell them about that. No, I'm kidding. It seems like the right prayer to pray. But I want to tell you today, I want to look at it from a different angle. Because the truth is, in most cases, it's the wrong prayer to pray. Richie, how can that be? How can it be the wrong prayer to pray to have God take this away from me? After all, let your petitions be made known before the Lord. That's biblical. Absolutely it is. If you're walking through something today, you know, obviously there's times the world will tell you, you don't have enough faith. Some would even say that Paul didn't have enough faith walking through what, well, there must be something in your life, brother. That third shipwreck, you need to start examining what's going on on the inside. With all due respect, the man wrote the New Testament. Maybe, maybe we don't have the right to speak into what his faith level was. But how often when the body of Christ is walking through something, we point fingers of accusation or we snarl at them. Or maybe it's just a glance or a look. But let me tell you, that look is seen when what they need is somebody to wrap their arm around them and say, hell or high water, I'm with you, brother. We're going to fight till the end, and we're going to get there. We're going to see the victory together. I can't promise you what the journey's going to look like, but we'll cross the finish line hand in hand. That's what people need. (laughs) Wasn't walking in faith. Or, I always appreciate this one, when I'm walking through the fire of my life, and I'm struggling, and my, my flesh is weak. Somebody gives me the, the, the great video series of five keys to a victorious life. You need to follow these, brother, and you'll be like me. I, with all due respect, I don't want to be like you. <laughs> I appreciate the encouragement. And it's oftentimes in good motives. Let me tell you something this morning. As a pastor, I can tell you this, and I'm sure Pastor John can relate. You want to know the sermons that make people shout and just run around the building? You'll get more amens than anything. It's about blessing. It's about outpouring. It's about what God's going to do for me. Amen, brother. Receive. Open the windows of heaven. Yeah. But you start talking about suffering and commitment, and you can hear crickets chirping over in Heath. I've been preaching sermons that have not been so exciting. But the truth is, if we don't learn how to walk in the mundane and in the trials of life, we're not ever going to get to the place God wants us to be. You know, we have the mountaintops and we have the valleys. Honestly, most of life is spent in between. It's the truth. Here's the prayer that is the right thing to pray. Because it's so much more than about you being excited and comfortable. The right question to ask when a trial comes is this. What are you saying, God? When you're walking through the fire and something hits you, the first thing you need to do is stop and hear the voice of your father. What are you saying, God? Let me tell you, when dad passed on May 19th, there was two weeks before that it was just turmoil and man I hate COVID so much it robbed me of the last two weeks of my father's life couldn't even be at the hospital with him and it's it's unbearable to think that he spent such a man of honor spent the last two weeks of his life alone in a hospital bed you know what I did I got down on my knees and I said God what are you saying because I need a word from you And I opened my mouth to say what Paul did. Take this away from me. And before I could even say that, the Holy Spirit said, I know what you have need of before you even ask me. You don't have to ask me that right now. Trust me. And for two weeks, I got on my knees. I lifted my hands and that was my prayer. 
They were not prayers of massive faith. This will turn around. I mean, that's appropriate. But I had heard the word of the Lord, and I drew my line based on his word, and I said, Lord, you are the Lord, and I'm not, and I surrender to you, and I trust you. Glorify the name of my king in life or in death. That's what my prayer is, and it stayed there for two weeks. When trials come, See, I'm not talking to you this morning out of a place of condemnation. I'm talking to you out of walking through the fire myself. The most important question you can ask is, what are you saying, God? Because it will be tested. And there's things that you need to plant yourself on that Jesus said. Because his word's true and it's faithful. But oftentimes we try to maneuver life without a word from the Lord. And we're standing on shifty sand, friend. And here's the right prayer to pray, even if it's in the midst of difficulty. Your kingdom come and your will be done. (laughs) Glorify your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. See, we don't have to want to walk through things that are uncomfortable. It's why so many of us are fighting for those comforts as a Christian. But the truth is, what is God saying right now to our situation? What is he saying in our nation? What is he speaking right now? See, Paul eventually learned these lessons. And instead of trying to pray things away, he reached a place of spiritual maturity. And I'm telling you this, and I want you to hear me on this, where he became more concerned about the kingdom than he was about his own life. That's the place I'm inviting you to today. See, it got quiet like this when I preached this in my church too. Where we die to ourselves. If you remember, Jesus said, step one, you want to follow me? Deny yourself. (laughs) You're a dead man from that point on. It ain't about you from that point on. I'm inviting you to participate in a kingdom that's much greater than you. See, your rights are done at that place. You are a dead man following Jesus Christ. Paul got it, and he says this in verse 8 of that same chapter. He said to me, son, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul says, all right then, then I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can come upon me. I'll walk through anything for that. Colossians chapter 1 He backs it up. Think about this. This is just crazy. I think Paul needed to go into a mad place for madmen. That didn't make a bit of sense. Thanks, wife. (laughs) Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Because in my flesh I'm filling up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body. That is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. See, that's the greatest key to being a Christian. Every moment in your life has the ability to become a kingdom moment. I'm telling you, hear me, you are standing on a stage right now in the midst of your trial, and somebody's listening to the sermon that you're preaching. Somebody's listening to the word that you're giving by the way you live your life. And oftentimes, I fail more than I get it right. It's, God, get me out of this. This stinks. And when we need to be pressing in, we start backing up. I'm just going to take some me time right now. I just need to be alone and isolated. No, we need to rise up and get a word from the Lord and stand on it. It's not time to back up and shrink back. It's time to get a word from the Lord and press forward based upon the assurance of the faithfulness of God's word. You're standing on a platform. And your trial will be one of the greatest platforms that you ever have for Christ. Usually in the midst of it, all we want to do is make it go away. Now, I told you to turn to Acts chapter 16. I want us to go there now. And I want to show you what I'm talking about. 
Paul had a rough day. Excuse me as I get a drink. As they were going to the place of prayer. Is it okay if I get off this stage? I'm a walk around guy. They were going to the place of prayer. See, you would think they're doing something spiritual because that's what lines up in our head. We start doing all the right things and then all the trials fall away from us. They were going to prayer. Uh Uh-oh. That's where it went south. Maybe if they stayed home and watched football or basketball, this wouldn't have happened. (laughs) Maybe I just need to be comfortable and not do these things. But Paul, they were just going to pray. And they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. That's always good when the first person you meet is a demon-possessed girl. I've been to... Never mind. (laughs) Lord, I forgive. No, I'm just kidding. They brought her owners much gain and fortune-telling. This girl was a money pot, a honey, honey hole. She followed Paul and Silas crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now here's the thing. She's demon-possessed. She's saying the right thing. She's just doing it in the wrong spirit. She's actually saying the right thing, but it's causing a spirit of distraction and a spirit of confusion. And it's like a dog yipping at their heels. These men are the servants of the Most High God. These men are the... And Paul has just about had enough. How many people have reached that place where you done? I made that mistake the other day. I was done before I walked in the house. Men, free of charge, nothing to do with the sermon. Don't be done till you talk to your wife. (laughs) I was done. And I walked in and Jenny says, I have the sweetest wife on the planet. Okay. That you clap for. Okay. No, I agree. She said, can I ask you something, hon? And I said, not now. I'm going to need some time and some space. It's not you. Leave me alone. No, don't ever say that. You see that bump? No, I'm just... She was not happy. Paul was done. These men are the servants in the moon again. These men in the sermons and the mo- would you? And he turns around and he gets all authority in the name of Jesus. <sighs> Here, like, whoa! <laughs> she kept doing this for many days. I command you in the name of Jesus, come out. He got Pentecostal. And it came out. But the story wasn't over. You think, praise God, demon possession set free. Woo! This is a church that likes to have fun, right? All right, just making sure. Because I'm having a blast. This is awesome. I get to go home and not have one mess to clean up. It's just fantastic. Just felt a new level of freedom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's great. That was between a skip and a frolic. I don't even know what that was. Her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, and they seized Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Remember, what is their crime? They're going to pray. And they had had enough of this demon-possessed moron. Come out! And the owners were done. They dragged them before the marketplace for casting a demon out and going to pray. They had brought him to the magistrates and they said, These men are Jews. They're disturbing our city. Isn't that just like Satan? 
take something else that's going on and place that on you. He is the accuser of the brethren. Am I right at that? They're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us to practice or accept as Romans. And the crowd join in attacking them. What? They were just going to pray. I'm sorry, brother. I might be ruining the prayer meeting Tuesday night. I don't know. (laughs) I ain't coming here Tuesday night. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Not going to (laughs) happen. They dragged them, and now there's mob justice going on, attacking them, and they tore their clothes off of them. Now there's two naked preachers standing in a marketplace and they haven't done anything but going to pray. Well, Paul, if you'd have had enough faith, there must be secret sin in Paul's life or that would have never happened. It gets worse. You got two naked men with crowds around them. And now they beat them with rods. Oh, man. That ain't fun. They are beating with rods these two naked evangelists. Can I stop saying the word naked? I just feel uncomfortable. And when they had inflicted many blows, many blows upon them, they threw them in prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received the order, they put them in the inner prison, fastened their feet in the stocks. One more recap here. It's worth noting. Two men going to pray. Evangelist, encounter a demon-possessed woman, girl. She's a money maker for these owners. Paul gets sick of it. He casts the demon out of her. Thank God. I I like the question that was asked to my pastor one day. He said, uh, a, a Baptist minister came up to him and said, do you guys cast demons out in your church? And he said, of course. What do you do with them? Got to go. Got no place. They didn't like it. They dragged him before the courts. Mob justice ensues. They strip him naked. They beat him within an inch of their life. They put him not only in prison, in the inner cell, stocks fastened. If there's anything in my life that's ever sounded like 2020, good Lord, that's it. Can this day get any worse? Now, I want you to think about what would you do in that place? God, take this away from me. It's so unfair. (laughs) I'm quitting ministry. I'm never coming back. See if I ever preach again, Lord. I know if that's what you're going to do, I'm not going to serve you. I have a good baby voice. It's had a lot of practice. Oh, God, no, please, this is the worst. This year's awful. (laughs) I'm not making a lot of what you're walking through. I know it's real. But that's not what Paul did. He realized something, that he was in the inner cell, naked and bloodied and beaten. Let me tell you something. We read about what Paul had walked through. He was not somebody that was comely to look at. He had knots on his head. He had scars on his body. He was bent over. His muscles were worn out from being beaten. This is a man that was disfigured. He had been shipwrecked. He had been weathered. Living in the sea at night and a day just a drip. His face looked like a catcher's mitt. It's so rough. Yeah, that, that'll work. Catcher's mitt. He didn't complain. He realized that inner prison was a platform that God had given him. 
And he said, now I rejoice all the more in my sufferings that the power of Christ can be made known to you. And it's about the midnight hour. It's about the midnight hour that this naked evangelist gets a hold of God. And something dramatic happens. There's a sound that starts to come out of that darkness, out of the backside of that prison that's loaded with prisoners. And all of a sudden you hear, Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? All of a sudden, people started taking notice. Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? Oh, you know, when you start praising, you start feeling it a little bit. You know, Bible says, put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You know what I call that? It's like a pair of jeans that's too tight. You ate too much at buffet last night. Sometimes Richie's garments, I got clothes that'll fit a 150-pound man, clothes that'll fit a 350-pound man, and everywhere in between. Every pair of pants I got, you got to work into them. You know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you ain't been there. Put on those jeans, and you are going to fit in those pants. Man, you are doing squat thrusts. Just stretching all over the place. Lunges. You go in there, Hunter, these two tight, and they dare not speak because they know I will wear these pants. Let me tell you, putting on that garment of praise is just like that. It ain't going to feel good at first. But there's times you do a couple spiritual lunges and squat thrust and they fit a little better. And by the end of the day, you need a belt because they fit you so good. Well, Jesus is my portion. Oh, he's starting to feel it now. A constant friend is he. Oh, I know he watches me. Oh, sing it with me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His Oh, I know he watches. Oh, I know he watches. I know he watches me. Oh, man, there was a praise service starting to take place in the inner prison cell. This man was not sitting there complaining about what happened that day. He was not sitting there struggling with God. You're not even real. You don't love me. He started putting on that garment of praise, and it started fitting him, and he started feeling it down in his soul. I'm going to have church. You can join me, or you can stay right where you are. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Let me tell you, I'll tell you again, that didn't make a bit of sense, such as my English. I'm going to tell you the same thing again. You're standing on a platform this morning 
right in the midst of your trial and in the midst of your fire. You're on a platform and they are listening to you. What are you saying? See, that's the question. They were listening to them. I'm almost done. I know I'm long-winded. Yeah, I ain't going to be asked back. <clears throat> Looking at the time. You give me some time, won't you, just for a second? I can wrap this up in classic preacher fashion. This is conclusion. The first conclusion. See, that always doesn't mean anything. You got conclusion number one. You have the ending, and then you have the finality. <clears throat> and then sometimes I got something else to say after that. Oh, as they were praising, they put on those pants of praise. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. And immediately, the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Everyone's bonds were unfastened. Fastened. I keep misspeaking. You got to forgive me. I'm Marshall County. I'm not uppity like you McCracken County yachts. We just country is cornbread down there. Just south of the border. McCracken border. The bonds were unfastened. And the jailer woke up and saw that the prison doors were open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. That's one of the weirdest verses in the Bible to me, John. That's odd. I mean, we've all seen prison break. <laughs> They're making it easy. There's like a God move all of a sudden simultaneously. Every door open, the chains are gone. It's like, whoa, let's get out of here. And they all stayed put. Why? Let me tell you, there was the Spirit of the Lord in that place. That's what church needs more than anything today. We don't need another service. I'm sick and tired of structured, organized religion, institutionalized church. I'm sick of it. What we need is a fresh move of the Holy Spirit again. Why aren't people coming to Jesus anymore? Because we're not doing what they did. We need to bring people to a fresh encounter with an almighty God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that happens. Lives are changed, period. What we want is people to come in and be part of what we're doing. We got to spin this plate. Our coffee has to taste a little bit better. And if not, people are going to leave here and they're going to go drink their coffee and I just can't take it. Oh, Lord. Your food bar might have peanut butter on it. But I hear First Baptist has some filet on theirs. They got a deep freeze. You just reach on in. You're in the wrong church. It's better down the road. And we play these idiotic games and we call it the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, the world needs a fresh encounter with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, that song was there, and there wasn't one person that left, and the jailer gets suicidal. Well, I'm done. I'm getting fired. I ain't going through that. And Paul says, don't do that. We're all here. And I want you to look, and I, conclusion number two, this is the end of it. <clears throat> The jailer said, bring the lights. And he rushed in with fear and trembling and fell before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who was in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and he washed their wounds. 
And he was baptized at once. He and his entire family. Now this is a strange turn of events. See, this is another dangerous, pre- uh, dangerous preacher move when you see him leave their notes and Bible. <laughs> it's soapbox time. Preaching's done. It's soapbox time. <laughs> you don't ever go off script. Just watch politics. It is a disaster when people do that. <laughs> Strange turn of events. As naked evangelists are in there, bloodied in a prison, they begin to worship. The chains are loosened. And all of a sudden, the man that was responsible for watching them falls down under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and said, I need this Jesus. I need this Jesus. And they lead him in the sinner's prayer. They knelt down and they did the 45-degree angle because that's how you really get saved. (laughs) Can't get saved standing up. (laughs) And he says, I need somebody else to hear this. Come to my house. And he brings these naked evangelists to his house and he starts washing their wounds. And he said, listen to this guy. And his entire household gets saved. Granny gets saved. Wife gets saved. The kids get saved. Everybody gets saved. And he said, let's have a baptism party. Paul's like, this is the easiest church service I've ever gone to. It's like you go fishing and they're just jumping in the boat. (laughs) Here's the question. Was there any other way that day that that man and his entire household get saved other than Paul and Silas walking through the midst of suffering and using it as a platform to point to Jesus? Is there any other way that prisoners heard the gospel and encountered Jesus so captivated by it that they refused to leave when their chains were unfastened and the door was open. Was there any other way that day that revival took place other than walking through the fire and seeing God show up in the midst of it? This is the real ending. And this is not a lie. How many platforms have we despised? For Jesus. How how many revival movements have we missed because we're bitter, we're angry, and we're mad at everybody? And if truth be told, we're mad at God for making us walk through this. How many moves of God, how many third, fourth, fifth great awakenings has this nation missed because Christians are so captivated with having to have it perfect? Take this away from me! It's an appropriate prayer. But the greater question is this. What is God saying? See, I think God's raising up an army that's more concerned about the kingdom again than they are their own lives. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done. If it costs me my life, let your kingdom be established right here in West Kentucky. Well, that's kind of radical, isn't it? No, that's actually baseline Christianity. Well, I didn't sign up for that. Then you haven't signed up for being a Christian. If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Lord, (laughs) wow. You can do so much with so little Lord, here we are today. If I said something not of you, remove it from the hearer, Lord. But speak to us today and make your word clear and your way straight. And I pray a bold prayer today. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And let your glory fall, Lord. If it's in the midst of our discomfort and our disdain, if it's in the midst of our frustration and our pain, then let your kingdom be established, Lord. We're going to trust you and we're going to make our petitions made known to you, absolutely. But when it comes down to it, Lord, 
we say, come Lord Jesus. Come on up, worship team. Come Lord Jesus, come. Come Lord Jesus, come. I want you to bow your head right now. And I want you to close your eyes. And I don't do that. So you can have anonymity. Yeah, that's not the word, but you get it. I'm Marshall County. So it can be private. I, I asked you to do that so you can close out distractions around you. Because what I want you to do right now is I want you to critique the sermon that you're preaching. Because make no mistake, you're on a platform right now. I'm not asking you to critique my sermon. I'm asking you to critique yours. How are you preaching right now? Are you miserable? Are you jaded? Have you let life get the best of you? Or are you fully submitted saying, Lord, let your kingdom come in me? Have you lost your song? Or have you squeezed into those skinny pants? Father, there's a song that's going to rise out of this place today. As the worship team starts to play. If the Holy Spirit's talking to you this morning, I want you to stand to your feet as the prayer team comes. And I want you to come to this altar. It might not feel like the thing that you want to do. Fitting into pants never does feel good. It takes some work and takes some doing. But that song will start to rise. And God can turn that situation for His glory. How's your sermon? going? How's your view of life? How's your outlook on the kingdom? Because God's wanting to establish something in you. Let's all stand to our feet as the worship team plays. And if you need prayer and need a fresh commitment this morning and just want to draw your line like I've done this very year and say, God, I'm all in. Regardless of what comes, I submit myself to you. I'm yours, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.